Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. We've been studying the book of Philippians. We've given you a background. We went back to Acts 16 and talked about how the church got started. And then we talked about how the Lord uh, is at work, both to will and to do of His good pleasure that he will be faithful to complete his work. We saw in verse 12 that Paul actually says, remember he was in jail in Rome at this particular time. He writes back to the Philippians. Remember he'd been in jail in Philippi as well. Uh, there's not many places across the Roman Empire in those days that Paul was not known and imprisoned for his powerful ministry to the Lord. In verse 12, you remember, he says, the things that have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. And then he goes on to say that the most elite, the most elite of the emperor's soldiers, the palace guard, were, who were chained to him at times, he made sure he talked to them about the gospel of Christ. And, uh, you know, sometimes... It's out of your heartache and pain that you're going to get an opportunity that you would not have gotten otherwise. That is not a popular uh, passage of uh, uh, Franklinians that I just shared with you there. Sometimes you're going to have an opportunity to share the Lord with people out of your own pain that you would not have had otherwise. Do you understand that people are watching you more carefully when you're suffering? If we wish that were not true, but it is. Uh, the body of Christ uh, watches carefully those who are in places of maturity and leadership, the response of those who are suffering. But more importantly than that, we have the opportunity, we have the opportunity to not try to act like nothing's wrong when something's wrong. Dean and I are walking through our own journey of deep, inexpressible pain. The Holy Spirit said to me after the seven weeks that I kept away from the church and the Lord told me to come on back and he said don't mince words. Don't smooth this over. Tell people how difficult and painful it is. And by the grace of God all those years ago that's what we did. So if you're here today and you're suffering, it does you no good to just cram it in. That is not in any way therapeutic for you nor pleasing to the Lord. It is out of our suffering. And obviously we can't go around and publish our suffering to everybody, but there is a small circle that God has already ordained to help you through. And don't be reticent to share that. I have learned that one the hard way, so just take my word for it. In Philippians uh, chapter 1 last week, we got to verse 29. Not anybody's favorite verse that I'm aware of. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ. It has been granted. It's a gift. On behalf of Christ, 
not only to believe in him, but to suffer for his sake. Now last week, you can go back and look at the outline or uh, listen to the, to the recording on our website. There are all kinds of suffering that is not for his sake. Uh, some suffering is just self-inflicted. If you sow a certain lifestyle, be assured you will reap that lifestyle. And sometimes the harvest of what we've sown has a lot of suffering in it. There is that sowing and reaping aspect. It is self-inflicted. Sometimes there is suffering just because of the world we live in. 1 John 5, the Apostle John says this, that the whole world, that is the system, the economic, the educational, the political systems of this world lies under the influence of the evil one. That is, this world system is drunk on the, the influence of the world for power, for prestige, for recognition, for control. So sometimes in this fall, listen, I say it again, I don't know why we need to keep on saying this, Steve, but everybody listen to this. Mike, how many times have you heard me say this? A whole lot of suffering has come because we live in a fallen world, Scott. This world has been touched by sin. So many people are blaming God for what sin and the enemy has brought into this world. This is a fallen world. Don't get into some fatalistic mindset that every time you see pain, it's inflicted by God. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. <clears throat> Sometimes suffering is brought on by a direct attack of the evil one. We see as we read the Gospels, and I, I mentioned to you this occasion in in the book of Luke. Isn't it interesting that uh, Luke, Scott, was a physician, and in this particular passage, the passage says that Jesus said to a woman who was afflicted, shall not this woman whom Satan has bound all these years be healed and relieved of her distress? Sometimes Satan has a direct influence on physical infirmity, if you believe the New Testament, and I stake my life on it, Bob. So understand that, that there are all kinds of sufferings that, that take place in this world, and not all of them are for Christ's sake. So last week, we looked at what is for Christ's sake. Um, we talked about for Christ's sake, it's suffering that we call redemptive. That is, Jesus suffered on behalf, not of his own sin, he had none, but Jesus was willing to suffer for you and I that we'd be able to come to know him for a purpose that is higher than ourselves. And the greatest reward of suffering for Christ's sake is a greater level of intimacy with, with Jesus. Philippians 3.10 says that we might know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. Well, we all want the power of his resurrection. Not many of us want the fellowship of his sufferings. But there is an intimacy that is developed when we're going through suffering that really is not developed this side of heaven 
any other way. Um, understand this, that whatever you're going through, whatever you're going through, God has a way of taking what, your pain, whatever, whether it's self-inflicted or world-inflicted or devil-inflicted, or whether it is truly godly suffering on behalf of somebody else for whom you pray and long for, the people you get up in the middle of the night and long and pray for, the people you shed tears about, the, the, the people that you give up your own comfort to help them see the light or come to know the Lord, the the. The testimony that you have in times of suffering when everybody else is kind of looking around at you. It is the Lord is using what he doesn't initiate. He's sovereign God. He uses what he doesn't initiate, bud. Romans 8, 28, we all know it, but we don't ever meditate on it. God works. He causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Do you know at some point we're going to go through situations and circumstances that we don't see any possible way this could turn out for good? All right, everybody listen to me. You are not responsible for turning everything out for good in your time of suffering. You can't do it. You're not capable. The Word says that God will work together everything. Not everything that happens is good, but God will cause everything to work together for good to those who love Him and are called sons and daughters according to His purpose. Do you love Him? Do you surrender to your calling as a child of God, as a son or a daughter of the Lord? Will you make His Lordship the highest, the highest goal of your life? Will His Word have the final authority in your life? Will you be willing to say on the basis of a long track record that God has, even if it's not showing up today, will you be willing to say, I love you and I'm called according to your purpose and I believe that you're able to cause all these things that's causing me suffering to work together for my good. Hallelujah. One of the greatest illustrations that I know about this comes in Genesis 37 through chapter 50. And you won't be able to follow along with me, but just listen as I recreate the story of a man named Joseph. Joseph was born into a family with, you remember his father's name was Jacob, whose grandfather was Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And Jacob had these sons and um, the Bible says he had a favorite one. Oops. And he clothed this son with a beautiful garment, Sharon. Beautiful. It's a coat with many colors. And the Bible says that his older brothers were all jealous of him and hated him. You ever been hated by somebody 
right there in your primary family. Boy, that's a tough one. And a lot of times it arises from jealousy. They were jealous of him and they hated him. And they were out herding their father's sheep. He was a wealthy man. His grandfather was Abraham, my goodness. And uh, Jacob, also named Israel in the Bible, said to his son Joseph, I want you to go check on your brothers, see how they're doing. When the brothers saw him coming from a distance, they said, let's get rid of this pest forever. The Bible says they hated him and they came up with a plan. And their first plan was, let's murder him and go home and tell dad that he got eaten by some wild animals. And one of the brothers in a moment of sanity says, we don't need, we, we don't need to do that. Let's dig a pit, throw him in there, encapsulate him, and when some traders come, we'll sell him. Let's make some money off this deal. And we'll go home and tell dad, we'll, we'll slay an animal, put it all over his, we'll take some of, one of his coat. Ah, let's take that coat of many colors. Let's put some animal blood on it and let's take it back and tell Jacob, Dad, he didn't make it. Boy, these are fine, upstanding guys, aren't they? You thought your family had problems. <laughs> so here comes Joseph. Joseph wasn't the wisest man in the world in his youth. Bible says around 17 he had a dream that came from God and he decided to share with his brothers the dream. And he said, I saw a sheaf of wheat, a big tall one, and I saw a bunch of other sheaves of wheat and the little sheaves were bowing down to the tall sheaf, chief, and uh, I'm the tall sheaf and y'all are the... How many of you know, even if God tells you something, you don't always tell everybody all you know. It may backfire. I get a little nervous when somebody is constantly telling me what God told them to tell me. You need to be careful about how you spread things. Have a little wisdom. So you know that uh, Joseph wasn't always, um, uh, even though he was chosen of God, he, he wasn't always wise. So he comes up, they take him, strip his coat off of him, throw him in a pit, and they're still trying to decide what we're going to do with this guy. And along comes some Midianite traders on their way to Egypt. And they make a deal. You've got to understand, he, he was a strong, strapping 17-year-old. And they thought, you know, we could sell him as somebody's slave. They could get a lot of labor out of this guy. The Bible says he was very handsome, a, a, a real specimen of a good-looking young man. The traders bartered with his brothers, and they went on their way to Egypt. When they got to Egypt, they sold him on an auction block. And there was a man on the, that uh, came to buy him named Potiphar. He was in the upper echelon of leadership in Egypt. And uh, he put Joseph to work, and the Bible says he trusted Joseph so greatly that he turned all of his affairs over to Joseph. He was a bright, 
bright, bright young man. Well, <clears throat> everything was going great. Joseph was given authority over the house of Potiphar. Only one problem. Potiphar's wife began to seduce Joseph. And uh, over and over and over again, she would have a private moment and try to seduce Joseph to have sexual intimacy with her. And Joseph flatly turned her down over and over and over and over again. One day, Potiphar was out on business, and he came in to do his regular work. She grabbed hold of him physically to seduce him. He said, I will not disobey the Lord, nor will I betray Potiphar. He slipped out of that outer jacket and ran for his life. She held on to his outer garment, and when employees came around, she said, look at what this man did. I pulled this off of him. He tried to molest me. When Potiphar came home, she told him the story. And whether he believed her or not, to save his own face, he called for Joseph to be arrested. He was put in prison. Okay, let's see what we've got so far. Here's Joseph who was despised by his inner circle of, friend, of family. Now we've got him really thriving in his work really making progress, getting promoted, and then he gets falsely accused, terminated, not just fired, put in jail. That's a tough one, Jason. You think he could get him out? There he was, incarcerated. So if you're Joseph, what do you think now? Let's see. God was faithful to me. He talked to me, give me dreams. I, I was favored by one of the heirs of Abraham, one of the primary heirs of Abraham, and now I'm getting in prison. The Bible says in prison, he almost immediately became very favored by the prison guard, the keeper of the guard. He saw in him something different, a different spirit. and He gave him things to do and responsibilities over the other prisoners. Are you seeing a, a pattern here? Everywhere he went, he, he got promoted. He was an ama amazing young man. And one day, while he was in this Egyptian prison, there came two men in there who had been sent to prison by the very Pharaoh of Egypt, a baker and a butler by trade. And um, the baker had not done what he should do, but the butler was less guilty. But anyway, he was thrown into prison, and they had dreams. And Joseph interpreted those dreams. It rang true to them. He told the butler how he was going to be promoted back into the very inner sanctum of Pharaoh, and then he told the baker, you're going to be hung by a rope. I don't know if I'd like to hear interp dream interpretations quite like that. It came to pass. 
when Pharaoh called for the butler to come back and serve him, Joseph said, don't forget me to Pharaoh. Don't forget me. The Bible says as soon as he got back and got back busy, he forgot Joseph. So how are you feeling now about suffering for the Lord's sake? Betrayed by your own family, sold into slavery, falsely accused, put in prison, and then utterly forgotten. Years went by, not days, not months, years. And one day Pharaoh got up out of sleep. He was very troubled, and he called all the magicians, Jeff, of the court of Egypt to interpret a dream he had. And the Bible says not one of them could interpret it. A light went off in the butler's mind, and he said, you know what? I met a guy in prison, and he knows how to interpret dreams. Pharaoh said, call him. That day, Joseph got a call while he was in prison to come to the palace. I want to tell you something. God can take you from the pit to the prison to the palace by sundown. Your promotion is in the hands of the Lord. If He is your security and your defender, Rest in Him. He'll work all things together for good. You won't be able to see it. It's not your, he will do it. Joseph came into the very throne room of the Pharaoh of Egypt. And Pharaoh said, I'm so troubled and none of my magicians or soothsayers can explain it to me. And he said, I had a, a dream last night and in this dream I'm haunted by it. There were seven fat, robust cows and seven scarecrow of a cow. They, they, they were just about to die. He said, what do you think that means? And Joseph said, something incredible is about to happen here. You're going to experience in all of Egypt seven years of amazing growth, amazing prosperity followed by seven years of absolute depression. And Pharaoh said, well, what do you recommend I do? And here's the wisdom of, Pharaoh, of Joseph. Joseph said, well, take 20% of all, everything that's grown throughout Egypt, take 20% and store it away. And he said, then the whole world will have to come to you for food. For seven years of plenty, under the authority, get this, Pharaoh promoted Joseph from jail to his right-hand man out of one visit and his declaration of what God says to interpret that dream. Some of you have been looking for a breakthrough for a long time. Don't abandon your hope and faith before. Joseph must have been ready to give up. There's no telling how many times. 
The Bible says that Pharaoh promoted him when he was 30. He got thrown in the pit when he was 17. He waited 13 years on that breakthrough. Am I boring you with this? He was promoted second in command to the Pharaoh of Egypt. And the Bible says that when the, when the seven lean years hit, nobody ate without the permission of Joseph. That's a powerful man right there. In the meantime, his brothers who had done him in and lied about it were called into a family meeting by Jacob. And Jacob said, we're going to die here unless you go to Egypt from the land of Canaan. Uh, you need to go to Egypt and ask for food. How many of you know sometimes you have to humble yourself to admit your need before God will supply that need? I said sometimes you have to humble yourself and admit your need before that need is supplied. Humility gets the attention of God. And I also want to tell you this, it's a whole lot more difficult to humble yourself to receive than it is to give. Yeah, it is. But sometimes God is causing, is, He wants you to get into His, the way He operates. And if you stop and think about it, you don't have anything that hasn't been given to you by God's grace. Isn't that right? So these brothers of Joseph come into Egypt, and they had not seen their brother for years and years. They didn't even recognize him, and they had to come and humble themselves and ask for grain to take back to their father and their family. They didn't, rec they didn't recognize who Joseph was. The Bible says he disguised himself from them. He, he didn't disclose himself to them. He did not disclose himself to them. Somebody needs to listen to this today. Sometimes when somebody's wronged you, you have to immediately forgive them, but you don't have to immediately embrace and trust them. Forgiveness is immediate. Trust is earned. He didn't disclose himself to them. He gave them sacks of grain and he hid in every one of their sacks. He hid the money that they had used to buy that grain. He hid it so that when they opened it, they were put to the test to say, oh my goodness, the Egypt is going to think we stole this money and took the grain. It was a test. When they saw it, they thought, we're done. And so they said, we got to go back and take this money back. And they did. If somebody has truly hurt you and hurt you and hurt you and hurt you, part of restoration is learning to trust. I don't mean you hadn't forgiven part of trust. 
Joseph didn't disclose himself to them. He gave them grace. He helped them. Put them to the test. They came back. They went back again. And the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how many years that was. But there was a seven-year period of great leanness and, and famine. So you've got to understand now that Joseph had been gone from them between 30 and 40 years. Wow. They didn't recognize him. And that's understandable. Then they had to come back and humble themselves. Because they said, if we, all we're asking is that you would let us come into Egypt. From Canaan, if you'd just let us come into Egypt and live, we can't make it out there anymore. The famine is so great, the land is barren, we'll die. And you know what Joseph did? He said, yes, you can come. And by the way, how is your father? They told him that he was about to go on, end his life. The Bible says that Joseph walked out of the room and composed himself instead of breaking down in front of them so they wouldn't know who he was. He granted them permission and blessing to come on into the land of Egypt so they'd be sustained. How many of you know that they stayed there 420 years? This was not a brief visit, Otis. This is not a brief visit. They came back. And I want you to look at chapter 50 of Genesis. I covered 23 chapters. Thank you for listening. You didn't want me to read the whole thing, did you? Genesis chapter 50. There was a time that became the right time for Joseph to disclose himself. And after Jacob, Israel had passed. Verse 15 says, Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead. And they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. Remember, he had already disclosed himself to them on another occasion. So they sent messengers to Joseph and said, Before your father died, he commanded saying this, verse 17, Thus you shall, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please, forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now, please forgive the trespass of your servants of the, of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him, verse 17. Can I tell you something? If you've been deeply hurt by somebody, if you're suffering, righteous suffering, you must forgive. Go before the Lord. Get your focus off the offender and go to your Savior in your own heart and mind. Go before the Lord and, and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, because not only have I been commanded, but because I've been given not only the command but the ability, I say to you, I forgive and call their name in Jesus' name. Forgive the trespasses. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face 
And they said, you see, a lot of people think when, when they look at the, the story of the, uh, the prodigal son, they forget. They, they say, gee, the, the father immediately forgave and, and blessed. You've got to understand that this was years in the making, and you've also got to understand that he came with deep repentance. He was, there is a difference in discomfort and great repentance. There's a difference in remorse and repentance. But they came deeply repentant. Please forgive the trespasses of your servants, the God of your father, and Joseph wept there. They spoke to him. Verse 18, then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, watch this, verse 20, all this suffering, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring out, to bring it about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. I want you to look at that verse again and let it resonate in your spirit. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. Can I ask you something? Would you be willing to say to God in the depth of your pain, even though it, there was evil meant against me, even though it was an act of the evil one, even though it's a fallen world, even though some of my wounds are self-inflicted, there was evil meant against me, but God, I trust you that you are taking all of that and working it together and meaning it for good. God used an unwise but very powerful young man through being thrown into a pit and rejected, falsely accused and imprisoned to save the whole nation of Israel. Had he not gone through his suffering, God's people would have been destroyed. Can I tell you something? In your suffering, God's got a higher plan than you see today. That which really causes you pain, God has a higher plan than you can see today. He is God, and He is able to work together all these things to bring about good for his own glory, for his own glory and your own good. You know what Jesus did? In chapter 2 of Philippians, we read that Jesus, robbery, it, he didn't think it robbery to be equal with God. He already was, and he is, and eternally will be. But he humbled himself and took on the limitations of man. Humbled himself and obeyed even to the death of a cross, and therefore God has highly exalted him. Through his suffering, redemptive suffering, he was exalted. Now I've got some great news for you if you're in a period of suffering. 
2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says that it's momentary compared to eternity. It's light compared to eternity. But I want you to look with me in closing at 1 Peter chapter 5. It's the last thing on your outline, 1 Peter chapter 5. What a wonderful promise this is. 1 Peter chapter 5, if you're going through suffering today, I want you to, to understand that 1 Peter especially was written to those who were suffering. He talks about the enemy's attack over there in verse 8. You have an adversary, the devil. In verse 10, but may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, After you have suffered a while, may that God perfect, mature, grow you, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. Everything that is in such turmoil when there's great suffering. May the God of all grace, God's favor, God's ability, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, After you have suffered a while, you need to understand there's going to be an end to this season of suffering. It's not going to last forever. Hallelujah. But may that God, after you have suffered a while, perfect you, mature you, grow you, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. Bring all this chaos to an end and bring a settling and a security and a steadfastness to your life. What a promise. What a promise. Well, Pastor, how long is that while? I don't know and you don't either, but you know what? Remember, it's the God of all grace, the God of all favor and ability who will walk you through everything you have to go through and establish and strengthen and settle you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So it feels like your life is coming apart at the seams. Understand this, you're not holding it together. There's one who loves you, who saw you, who loved you from before you were born, and he has not let his grip away from you. He loves you, you're his, and he will bring you through this. Thank you, Father God. Thank you. I look around this room today, and I think of those in partnership in this ministry And I think about some incredible, vicious suffering that so many of us have gone through. And it's had a different face on it, a different face on it. But I can tell you this, there's one thing that's always constant in the whole thing is I've looked at you, you've looked at me. There is a God of all grace who has held it together. There's a God who got you up the next day when you thought it was over. There's a God who actually has a bright future for you that you may not be able to see right now. But he, he, his own record, is saying he wants to give you a future and a hope. Would you just submit to him, wherever you are today, would you just take a time right now and say, Lord, right where I, you, you know everything I'm going through and have gone through. I trust you. I can't fix this. I ask you to grant me the grace to walk through this garden of Gethsemane 
where it feels like you've abandoned me. Because I know on the basis of the record of my Savior that that which gets crucified always gets raised and resurrected. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I submit my suffering to you, O God. I ask that in it, by your grace, you will settle, strengthen, protect, and grow me as you see fit. I trust you. Oh, grant it today, Lord. Let your spirit back up your word and do a mighty work in and on those who are receptive to this word today. Pray you'll meditate on these words. Maybe share with a friend who may be suffering. Now we have a wonderful treat in store next week. One of my sons in the faith, Emmanuel Mars, whom you love. He's one of our covered ministers. You love listening to him every time. He'll be speaking to us next week. The Lord gives him wonderful messages for us. Now I want you to pray for the well-being, not only of your pastors, but of the flock. We have many who are struggling right now. I want you to pray that the Lord would strengthen them, that He would protect them. I pray for you every day that the Lord would keep you, keep you from sickness and disease and disorder. We have some wonderful testimonies of God's blessing. Trust the Lord for your well-being. Do what you're supposed to do in the natural. Don't be afraid. Recommit your life to Him every day. Be wise. Do that which is best for you and do that which is best for other people who love you. Father, grant mighty grace today, mighty grace to these, your people. Thank you for the honor, O oh God, of working with you and called out as one of your assistant shepherds. Thank you for your lordship. Thank you for your work in these lives in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. See you next week. God bless you. Go with God. He's going with you. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.